When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time to talk about how California is leading the fight against Trump to slow climate change and welcome immigrants and refugees. For that, we turn to Manuel Pastor. He's professor of sociology and American studies and ethnicity at the University of Southern California. He currently directs the Program for Environmental and Regional Equity at USC and also USC's Center for the Study of Immigrant Integration. He's a prolific public speaker and writer. His work has appeared in the Washington Post, the L.A. Times, the Huffington Post, the American Prospect, and dozens of other publications. And his most recent book is State of Resistance, What California's Dizzying Descent and Remarkable Resurgence Means for America's Future. Manuel Pastor, welcome to the program. Glad to be with you. Well, you recently wrote an op-ed for the L.A. Times with Pramila Jayapal, the member of Congress from Seattle, who is now co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She's a hero of ours. Tell us about her and about the piece that you two co-authored, Why is the U.S. So Far Behind on Naturalizing New Citizens? Well, Pramila is a hero of mine as well and uh, someone that I've worked with for years when she was in the state of Washington doing organizing around immigrant rights and immigrant integration. And what we tried to do in the op-ed is point out just how pernicious the Trump administration is in so many different ways. So we tend on the immigration issue to focus in on the uh, desire of the Trump administration to build a border wall, but they've also created a sort of second wall which is the prevention of people uh, becoming citizens who are actually lawful permanent residents who are here. The number of people who have applied for citizenship but not had their application looked at and processed has jumped up from about 350,000 during Obama to about 750,000 under Trump. So that's delaying a lot of people who wanted, for example, to be able to become a citizen and be able to vote in the 2018 midterm elections. While waiting times to become a citizen used to be somewhere between five and six months, they're now averaging about a year. And in some places, it can take you up to two years after you make an application to become a citizen to become a citizen. This is having deep impacts on the level of civic engagement and democracy. And it's another way in which there are so many different acts on the part of the Trump administration that is seeking to disempower immigrant communities and their voice in public policymaking. Well, let's talk about California and Trump. You open your book with a startling historical point. When the United States in 2016 elected Trump, the country was going through the same kind of political moment that California had gone through 22 years earlier in 1994. Please explain. Well, what we like to say in the book is that America is going through its Prop 187 moment. Proposition 187, passed in 1994 by California voters, was the proposition that sought to deny social services and educational services to undocumented immigrants in the state. So it reflected a particular kind of anti-immigrant, 
anxiety hysteria that was occurring in the state of California. But what people forget is that California in the early 1990s experienced half of the country's net job losses in that recession because the national recession of the early 1990s was about the cutback in defense spending as a result of the end of the Cold War that hit California aerospace hard and basically knocked the props out of the rest of our industrial structure as well. So we experienced half of the country's net job losses in that period. And Rush Limbaugh began his talk radio career in the late 1980s in uh, Sacramento. So that kind of perfect stew of demographic anxiety, economic uncertainty, and profiteering from political polarization, California got there first in the early 1990s. So the interesting question, which we try to explore in the book, is how did the state go from the very kind of low point in terms of uh, community across communities and a sense of unity about what we needed to do about the economy to a state that was one of the first two states to raise its minimum wage to $15 an hour, to a state which has proudly declared itself under something called the California Values Act, that's pretty appropriately named, a sanctuary state in which the police are not supposed to cooperate with immigration and customs enforcement, and a state which, of course, is also leading on addressing climate change and also addressing sort of environmental injustice as part of dealing with climate change. So it's that arc of change from that low point to this kind of more progressive moment that we try to track in the book. And remind us what was in Prop 187 that California passed in 1994, and remind us then what has happened to the Republican Party of California since then. Well, Prop 187 sought to uh, strip away any access to social services to undocumented immigrants. And it also went as far as to try to strike away educational services uh, or education, which is actually uh, against uh, very Supreme Court rulings about uh, equal protection, uh, particularly for children in terms of access to education. So actually most of Prop 187 wound up getting struck down in the courts as being clearly unconstitutional. But, you know, interestingly, Prop 187 was the way in which Governor Pete Wilson, who was uh, facing difficulties uh, with his re-election, he was about 20 points behind Kathleen Brown, who was a Democratic candidate, and he decided to latch himself onto this anti-immigrant movement as a way of raising up his numbers, a little bit like how Trump, who was not necessarily doing well in the polls, sort of latched himself onto anti-immigrant sentiment to triumph in 2016. Prop 187, though, was of a piece with a number of other propositions uh, passed in the uh, 1990s uh, that political scientist Daniel Hosang, who is currently at Yale, called racial propositions. So it wasn't just going after immigrants. There was an attack on bilingual education. There was an attack on affirmative action. There was a three-strikes law and uh, a law to try juveniles as adults that very much led to rapid incarceration and racially racialized uh, over-incarceration. So it was really a kind of broad attack on the demographic change that was occurring in the state of California and the anxieties that was provoking in long-time white residents. It was something that the Republican Party rode, thinking that it would be something that would help uh, their electoral prospects as it did with Pete Wilson. But it wound up shredding 
uh, the Republican Party such that the Republican Party in the state of California now is actually the third most popular party. You've got the Democratic Party, then you've got the decline to states. People are calling themselves formally independent and not registering with either the Democrat or Republican Party, and then finally the Republican Party. The Republican Party does not hold one single statewide office and has not since Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Republican Party finds itself in a super minority because the Democrats are in a super majority, more than 60%, in both the uh, uh, Assembly and the State Senate, and it's very much a kind of decimated party. So I think that the Republican Party nationwide is trying to see whether or not the idea of following the Trump strategy is a way to resuscitate the party or to kind of permanently marginalize it into a smaller and more steadily shrinking base. That's really what the lesson of California is for Republican Party nationwide. You focused a lot of your research and writing on environmental justice issues involving people of color. What do we know about how people of color view environmental politics? The Trump people, of course, appeal to them by arguing that Republicans want to save the jobs of working class people while the climate movement activists, you know, are uh, upper middle class yuppies who don't care about poor people. That is certainly the political image that's put out there, not only by people who are trying to resist attempts to address climate change, but it's often sometimes the underlying assumptions, even of uh, progressives who uh, are trying to push on climate change, that their main source of support might come from a more educated, white, uh, professional, environmentally conscious, in their view, uh, population. But that's not what the data tell us. For the last 10 years, the Public Policy Institute of California has been asking people about their concerns about climate. And in the most recent poll, which, by the way, is pretty much consistent with the last 10 years of polling, too, about 50% of whites in California say that climate change is a very serious issue that is hurting our economy and quality of life. About 60% of African Americans and Asians say that it's a very serious issue. About 70% of Latinos say that it's a very serious issue. And in fact, what, I mean, really probably what's going on, we seem to think, is that for a lot of people of color, particularly given the environmental disparities in terms of exposure, it's not an abstract question about climate change in the future, the, you know, polar ice caps uh, and, you know, polar uh, bears. It's really that you associate climate change with the refinery that's in your neighborhood that's polluting and affecting the asthma rates of your children. It's the freeway that's in your neighborhood that's also affecting the air that you breathe, and dealing with climate change is not only going to protect the planet in the long run, but it's going to reduce traffic and reduce pollution from traffic on those roads. So when we think of building an alliance for climate uh, change, we need to make sure that it's also an alliance for climate justice. Manuel Pastor, his op-ed, co-authored by Pramila Jayapal, is at latimes.com, and his new book is State of Resistance, What California's Dizzying Descent and Remarkable Resurgence Means for America's Future. Thank you, Manuel Pastor. Thank you. Pleasure to talk with you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.